Welcome to Cancer HealthCast, where science is driving hope. I'm your host, Nikki Henderson. Today, we are joined by Dr. Satish Gopal, the Director of the Center for Global Health at the National Cancer Institute. Dr. Gopal serves as a guide over various initiatives and collaborative efforts with other NCI and National Institutes of Health partners, as well as governmental agencies in support of cancer research. Dr. Gopal, thank you so much for joining us on the show. Thank you for having me. To start off, can you introduce us to the work of NCI's Center for Global Health? Sure. Um, So NCI, as you may know, is the largest funder of cancer research in the world. And the truth is the Institute has always been internationally engaged since the Institute was first established in 1937, long before I was born. And But in 2011, um, when former NCI director and former NIH director Harold Varmus was the NCI director, he established a dedicated center for global health. At that time, it was felt that there was enough need and opportunity related to global cancer research and control that this really required a dedicated center within the NCI. So what we do is we coordinate and really consolidate global health engagement at the NCI. We play a support role for activities that are really distributed across the Institute. Our own programs really focus on uh, applied research and control in low and middle income countries where global cancer burden is increasingly concentrated and where there's really tremendous unmet need uh, and unrealized scientific opportunity. And so that's where a lot of our own programmatic focus lies. Okay, great. Well, what role does health equity play in the Center for Global Health's actual work? And how does the Center for Global Health approach health equity on a global scale? Yeah, that's such a good question. Um, Equity, I think, is at the forefront of what we're doing now, really at the Institute, not just at the center. Um, And I think I was very, um, in some ways, fortunate to join the NCI um, when there was renewed focus on equity as a result of um, a lot of the social justice movement that, you know, was reignited in 2020, along with many of the health inequities that were exposed in a really deep and troubling way, I think, by COVID. So for us at the center, we've really embraced equity as a core value in all of our work. And it really, we really try to have it permeate everything we do. And by that, I mean, we try to have equity, uh, use an equity lens in considering the areas of science that we prioritize we think about equity as we're writing funding announcements to make sure that we're writing in a writing them in a way that is equitable and that invites inclusive participation uh, by the broader research community. We think about equity when when we invite speakers um, to at meetings that we organize. So we really think about this in everything that we do. Uh, for me, I think equity in relation to our work has a couple of primary um, kind of manifestations. So the first is I think a lot of our work at the Center for Global Health is really to create opportunities for people affected by cancer to contribute to and benefit from cancer research, especially in low and middle income countries where cancer burden is increasingly concentrated and where people have historically not really had opportunities to contribute to or benefit from research. Um, And just as an example, even though cancer burden is increasingly concentrated in low and middle income countries, cancer clinical trials have very infrequently been conducted in low and middle income countries. And so as a result, we often don't know, haven't adequately studied some very common types of cancer around the world and also, also haven't 
often included populations, certain populations in trials. So we, to some extent, really don't know whether some of our treatments work well in certain populations. And this also, in many respects, is a continuation of the work that I was doing before I came to the NCI, before I was employed by the NCI, I was supported by the NCI as a physician scientist, and I was living and working in Africa where I took care of cancer patients and led a cancer research program. And in that environment, the patients that we saw really felt disconnected from cancer research. They did not feel that this was something that they could contribute to, nor was it something that they felt they could benefit from. And I think so much of what we sought to do in Malawi, one of the economically poorest countries in the world, was really to reset that conversation so that people affected by cancer felt that they did have something to contribute um, to cancer research and that they could meaningfully benefit. Again, that's, that engagement by people affected by cancer, I think, has been so important to driving progress. So I think one critical element is creating these opportunities for people who historically haven't had opportunities to contribute to and benefit from cancer research. The other main domain, I think, where equity applies to our work is really trying to create opportunities for young scientists who are interested in cancer research in low and middle income countries to develop careers, um, asking and answering questions that are important to them and in their local environment. I think without doing these two things, it really diminishes science and really diminishes the cancer research enterprise to not create uh, such opportunities in a really meaningful way. And that's where a lot of our focus is. Wonderful. It's so good to hear those in low-income countries are feeling more connected and benefiting from the cancer research because of health equity efforts. That's great. What are some of the critical gaps in global cancer control? And what are some of the pathways for closing those gaps? It's always very hard for me to point to a single gap because I think the gaps really span the entire continuum. There was no, there's really no aspect of cancer control globally that I would say is adequately resourced that we've solved at the moment. So the gaps really span the continuum from prevention to screening, to diagnosis, to treatment, to survivorship, to research, to research training and building scientific careers. I think all of these really need significant attention. So I think there's a more a bigger root cause that I think the larger underlying gap, given that these gaps exist across the continuum, is really that, that we've had um, insufficient kind of interest and investment in cancer as a global problem. And I think that's partly what the NCI sought to address in creating a dedicated center for global health in 2011. This really sent a signal to the cancer research and control community that we, the NCI is the largest funder of cancer research in the world, intended to kind of escalate our commitment to cancer as a global problem. And, um, you know, I think this is happening slowly, but we really don't have the kind of interest and investment and broad coalition of stakeholders that are, um, you know, yet. I think that's still emerging, but doesn't exist yet. In terms of, you know, when you have those things, so then what are the opportunities to make things better? You know, what to, how do you catalyze this kind of interest and investment? And this is a place I think the research community can actually be uniquely useful. First, I think there's a real need to kind of highlight the need and opportunity. Um, you know, one in six deaths worldwide occurs due to cancer. That proportion is increasing. 70% of cancer deaths approximately occur in low and middle income countries. That proportion is increasing. And even beyond the numbers of cases and deaths, we're really just beginning to grapple with the broader and really immense human economic development and intergenerational impacts of cancer all around the world. There's a lot of emerging literature around this. 
very similar to what we had for HIV kind of in the early 1990s, where we, uh, I think, really began to appreciate not uh, HIV not just as a health problem, but a broader societal economic development um, problem. So I think there's a real need to continue highlighting that. And um, certainly the attention that cancer is now getting as part of the Reignited Cancer Moonshot, I think, provides tremendous opportunities for us to create that kind of visibility about the need and opportunity. Um, it's actually quite well established in the U.S., and we benefit from that at the NCI, but I think in global circles and in many countries, cancer really doesn't get the kind of attention it needs uh, based on uh, disease burden. So highlighting is really important. The other thing is demonstrating some initial successes and in spurring innovation. So the path for how you address this immense problem becomes clearer is another place where I think we can be uniquely um, useful. And again, this was I think very similar to what happened with HIV. I think early on there was um, a recognition uh, and highlighting of how immense a problem was, and that it was. And then the research community was really, an academic community was really willing to step in and say, "Well, how might we begin to address this?" There was a lot of discussion about whether you could administer HIV treatment in low-income countries, and that's where the again the academic community working with low and middle-income country investigators and partners demonstrated that this indeed is something that you can do. And I think creating those examples of success that can then be scaled is also really important. So um, I, you know, to me, those are the key areas that I see us as having a major role is kind of continuing to create visibility around this issue and then providing some examples of um, solutions that could then be scaled more broadly. Thank you so much. I appreciate you sharing uh, those examples of success and um, highlighting the importance of having visibility of the issue. Well, Dr. Gopal, um, we're going to shift our conversation a little towards technology. Can you please tell me more about the Affordable Cancer Technologies Program and what technologies has NCI leveraged to improve things like cancer screenings, diagnosis, and treatment for patients around the world? That's such a good question. So first of all, techno new technologies, I think, are essential to making progress against cancer. It is undoubtedly true that we have many established technologies that we need better penetration into communities um, where they're needed. So that's undoubtedly true. But at the same time, I think global cancer control is not really achievable with the technologies that we have today. We have to continue innovating. Um, so one of our longest running programs at the Center for Global Health, which we've been running actually since 2014, is this program that you referred to called the Affordable Cancer Technologies Program. And this is really designed to provide dedicated NCI support to multidisciplinary research teams. Typically, these include clinicians, engineers, global health experts that are really trying to develop test, adapt, engineer, and apply new technologies that are designed for low and middle income country settings to address critical needs in global cancer control. These are intended to be cost effective and adapted to the low and middle income country environments. And we've actually recently launched the next phase of this program, which is running from 2022 to 2028, with an intent to commit up to $60 million to the development of these new technologies from NCI. And there are a lot of um, really important outcomes that have emerged even from the earlier phase of this program. So I'll just give a few examples. One is um, previously, uh, many of you will know that cervical cancer is, um, many of your listeners will know that cervical cancer is one of the most common uh, causes of cancer death worldwide. And it can be screened, so it can be detected at a precancerous stage. 
and can then be treated so that it doesn't go on to progress to invasive cancer. Um, the treatment historically for that in low and middle income countries has been liquid nitrogen cryotherapy, which has required maintaining these really big, bulky, pressurized gaseous cylinders in rural clinics all around the world. And I know from direct experience that maintaining a consistent supply of those kinds of supplies is just logistically impossible in some of these environments, even when you have resources and pretty substantial logistical know-how. And so we've been really proud at the NCI to support teams that have been working to develop handheld, battery-powered thermal ablation devices that essentially can treat cervical precancer before it becomes invasive cancer as a solution to, to this problem of maintain, having to maintain liquid nitrogen cryotherapy, which again is an unworkable solution in many rural clinics in, in low and middle income countries. And so that, that data that was generated from that program and the testing of those devices was very rapidly taken up into WHO guidance for, 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 the, for low and middle income country settings because this was such a need. Um, similarly, there are other really exciting technologies that have been supported through this program. There's a lot of artificial intelligence and machine learning applications that are now being supported, for example, to automate steps in the radiotherapy planning process, um, to reduce the workload on the very small numbers of radiotherapists that exist in many low and middle income countries. There are new technologies for cancer screening, for example, urine biomarkers for colorectal cancer in settings where colonoscopy is not widely available. There's technologies, molecular technologies that can diagnose a cancer at the point of care, thereby obviating the need for a very expensive pathology infrastructure in some for some cancers in some settings. So there's a whole variety of like cool technologies that we think address real needs in low and middle income countries that have been supported through this program. And I think, again, one of the exemplars of this is really the very rapid uptake of these uh, thermal ablation devices for cervical precancer treatment, which are now adopted into WHO guidelines. Not surprisingly at all, to us at least, is that many of these technologies that have been really developed, designed, tested, validated for low and middle income country settings have then been very useful in addressing some of our domestic cancer health inequities, um, particularly for communities that have, we've historically not done a very good job reaching. So many of these technologies developed in Africa have then been actually quite useful and applied to cancer-related inequities even domestically. And that is not to us not at all a surprising outcome of programs and investments like these. Wow, Dr. Goble, that is really exciting uh, on the technology front at NCI. I mean, I love hearing that there's advances with these held hand devices that can treat a precancerous stage of cervical cancer. I mean, that's going to save so many lives. So that is wonderful to hear. Well, what does data management and data sharing play in enabling your mission? Data is foundational, I would say, um, not only to research, but to evidence-based cancer control. And I think the a real tragedy currently in global cancer control is that policymakers and practitioners are often having to make decisions with very little or poor evidence. And, and I think that's a real issue that we and others are really thinking hard about how we might address. So data is foundational. That being said, it, data collection is not trivial in low and middle income countries. There often is not 
you know, an infrastructure that just automatically kind of captures data as we often have in the US or even in other countries that have nationalized health systems with electronic medical records. That kind of infrastructure doesn't exist in many low and middle income countries where health records may still be paper-based, where healthcare is often kind of maybe fragmented between government and private entities. So creating that infrastructure is really important. Um, and then even once the data is there, sharing it across international borders is also not trivial. There's um, important regulatory considerations, there's important privacy considerations, and then there's a lot of cultural sensitivities around, um, you know, particularly countries that have been historically colonized or disadvantaged, they have a real and very legitimate sensitivity about sending their data out to be, in some cases, exploited by people outside. That's a very real and I think entirely legitimate um, sensibility in, in many in many low and middle income countries. Uh, so these issues are not simple, but I guess you know they can be navigated successfully, and we have many of ex examples of that in our NCI-supported portfolio. Um, even before coming to the NCI, for example, we did some of the first human tumor sequencing uh, for cancer patients in Malawi, and we're able to share that data in actually NCI-supported public databases where they could then be accessed by other African researchers making comparisons with similar studies that they were doing in their own environment. So there are ways of getting around some of the, of solving some of these issues. And I think solving them would actually offer potentially new models for privacy protection, transparency, collaboration, spur innovation, because you know we very much believe at the NCI making data available as a public good, because we feel that when we do that, um, the community will often come up with questions and answers that we could not have necessarily anticipated ourselves. And that's an important role that the NCI plays. And then the final thing about data is creating, curating and creating these data resources is also really important for supporting young investigators. When you're first starting out in a cancer research career, you're often extremely reliant on data that other people have generated because you don't have the funding, wherewithal infrastructure available to you to generate a lot of data yourself. And um, again, this is a real tragedy. I think for some really smart and talented young scientists in low and middle income countries trying to develop cancer research careers is they often don't have the data resources available to them that would allow them to begin developing those careers. So all of those are, so it's a critically important need. Um, there are, I think, ways to solve some of these um, issues and, and good examples of us having done that. Um, and it's definitely an area that we're kind of thinking a lot about together with many other partners who work, you know, work in this data domain. Okay, sounds great. Well, I know that the Center for Global Health works with many partners on a lot of different projects and, and collaborative efforts. Can you tell me what role have partnerships played in helping decrease the global burden of cancer? Partnerships are essential. And I think having a, for us at the NCI Center for Global Health, the idea that we would be a kind of hub and point of contact for many of these partnerships as, as it relates to global cancer control on behalf of the NCI was really always part of the vision for what the Center for Global Health would be. And I, I think it's very um, foundational to the work that we continue to do even now. The NCI, as I mentioned earlier, is the largest funder of cancer research in the world. And that's a really important role and position. So we think we have 
unique responsibility in some respects and unique capabilities in some respects to do to help catalyze things that others may not be able to in particular things that are in the public good that others may not be willing or able to support where the support from industry or other sources may not be as forthcoming for example one of the things that we do domestically as the nci support clinical trials that are that are really important for public health, but that may not garner the kind of industry support that certain trials might. So that's always part of what we do. However, global cancer is an immense problem. So even though we have some very strong and unique capabilities as the NCI, even if we had all of the NCI resources applied to international cancer, we know that that would not be enough, right? This is a huge kind of existential global health problem that again, hasn't attracted nearly the urgency that I would say it requires. So we know that we have to partner with other organizations. And there are many types of organizations that have complementary capabilities, I think, to what we do at the NCI. So we're a research institute and, um, you know, I think play a really important role in catalyzing areas of science that we think will be uniquely valuable for global public health. We work closely with international organizations like the World Health Organization, which plays a really prominent role in supporting countries, providing guidance and um, uh, guidelines and standards for how cancer, you know, for, for how pub, pro, public health programs are implemented worldwide. And increasingly in recent years, the WHO has had a focus on cancer with the important cancer-related initiatives for the first time in their history. And that's very exciting for us to get to collaborate with them on. Um, in addition to other partners like the International Agency for Research on Cancer, national entities like ministries of health, um, academic institutions in low and middle income countries that have an interest in cancer research. Um, so one of the nice things about being the NCI is the opportunity to engage at multiple levels. So we can engage with other U.S. government agencies, with other big international partners, but also at the level of individual investigators, um, even individual young investigators. And that gives us, I think, a, a, a real opportunity to think about how our various activities fit together, to have impact at multiple levels, to have complementary partnerships and try to realize our own unique capabilities together with um, the often very complementary capabilities of many of our other partners. And important in that too, I would say, are the NCI designated cancer centers. So um, as, as you may know, the NCI supports 71 NCI designated cancer centers in the United States, and their own global engagement has increased dramatically over the last 10 to 20 years. And that's something that we've really sought to recognize, document, and incentivize at the NCI because we want the NCIs to be global actors, and they many of them are you know have really strong programs uh, in in that are only partially supported by the NCI, but also supported through many other. Um, sources of funding. And so the partner network that we rely on and are able to leverage, I think, is um, one of the real joys of being at the NCI. I think what's harder sometimes is thinking about how to deploy all of these capabilities in a way that's strategic and actually achieves concrete outcomes, right? Because everyone has slightly different agendas and overlapping interests. And that, that tends to be more the uh, challenge, I think, than having partners to engage, of which there are many, thankfully for us at the NCI. Thank you. Well, Dr. Gopal, 
What goals does the National Cancer Institute hope to accomplish in 2023 when it comes to advancing global cancer research? Well, thanks so much for the question. We're really excited, I must say, about 2023. So there's several things that we're um, that we're hoping to accomplish. One is um, we have several new programs. So um, one of these is focused. A number of these are focused on implementation science. We spoke already about technologies and implementation science. To me, in some ways, is a complement of the new technologies. So we're very interested in developing and testing and um, proving that new technologies work. Even once you've done that, then you have to study and test and validate um, strategies for delivering those new technologies or interventions into communities, right? And we call that implementation science. This is a relatively new discipline and one that we have provided a lot of support for domestically at the NCI in recent years. And we're now very eager to um, provide additional support for these methods and approaches being applied in low and middle income countries where we're uh, where we know that there's tremendous need that is in many instances we have effective tools and we have to know how to, to better understand how to deliver them in these environments in the real world so we have major new implementation science programs new grantees a new community and we're really excited about kind of standing up and coordinating and connecting those programs those, that that group because we think there are going to be a lot of really important outcomes from this program as it proceeds in years to come. The other new big program for us is a, is a program focused on cancer research training, which we had talked about a few minutes ago. This is really the NCI providing support to low and middle income country institutions that have a really strong interest in supporting early stage cancer researchers. And so particularly where they have a established um, collaboration and research activity with an NCI-designated cancer center in the U.S. We think this is a really rich environment to provide dedicated NCI support so that these institutional partners can create an ecosystem that really facilitates the training of new cohorts of really hundreds of early career investigators working in low- and middle-income countries on questions and answers that matter to them in their local environments. So that's another big new program and community that we have stood up this year that we're really excited about kind of starting to generate some momentum, connecting this community of investigators, trainees, mentors, and, and supporting them as best we can at, at NCI. So those are two, I guess, pretty new things that we're quite excited about. And um, these were actually uh, highlighted in the U.S.-Africa Leader Summit that the White House held. Just before the uh, December holidays, there was a Cancer Moonshot-focused event as part of the overall summit, and many of these new programs from the NCI were featured, which we were tremendously excited about. There are some other areas where we don't have kind of big new programs yet, but where we're, we know that there's a need. These are areas that we've strategically prioritized as things that we'd like to work on, where we're doing a little bit more thinking and trying to map out exactly what we might do and how we might contribute as the NCI just to name a couple of those areas that are really front of mind at the moment. One is equity that we talked about. So how do we better connect the domestically oriented cancer health disparities community with the global health community and cancer research? These are communities that have historically worked somewhat separately from each other, even though there's a lot of scientific and philosophical kinship. And so we're really trying to think about how we as NCI can better support collaboration and connection between these two communities. And what type of programs might be needed to do that. 
And then the other area is clinical trials, where we're doing a lot of thinking. Um, I mentioned earlier that um, the NCI is a big international supporter of clinical trials, particularly those that don't have industry or other sources of support. We have a relatively limited profile of cancer clinical trials in low and middle income countries, and that we think that we can grow that and thinking about how and and how we grow that and what the kind of scientific focus of such an effort would be. We're doing a lot of thinking along those lines to make sure that um, if we initiate a new program in that area, that we're really addressing needs that are um, that that are also priorities for low and middle income countries. So, so I, we're really excited about um, these new programs in implementation science and cancer research training, and then really excited to be doing a lot of additional thinking with partners and stakeholders around cancer health disparities in a global context, and then cancer clinical trials in LMIC specifically. The final thing I'll just mention, since um, President Biden mentioned this in the State of the Union last night about the opportunity to demonstrate real U.S. international leadership in addressing cancer as a global public health problem um, as part of the Cancer Moonshot, we're very involved in those discussions, including what some of the global health priorities and possibilities might be. And so we're really excited to be participating in that broader dialogue. Um, and think it's a tremendous opportunity to highlight things that we're already doing and hopefully create opportunities for new and expanded NCI engagement and investment in global health. Wow, sounds like big things, wonderful things are definitely on the horizon at NCI for 2023. So that is, is awesome to hear. Unfortunately, Dr. Gopal, we're almost out of time. So I wanted to know if there was any final comments you would like to add today regarding our conversation. I would just echo what you said, I think, in closing, which is I agree. It's an incredibly exciting time. The need, I think, is clear. The opportunities, I think, are clear. And um, really, it's up to us as a global cancer research and, com and control community to decide, you know, is this something we want to just continue describing or is it something that we also actually want to take action on? And again, I think we have a really important role to play as the NCI, as the largest funder of cancer research in the world. And I think truly the international community is looking to the U.S. to demonstrate leadership and how to address this as the global public health emergency that it is in the way that we have previously done for HIV and, and malaria and tuberculosis and other infectious disease. The time really is now and the cancer moonshot, many of the things that we're doing at the NCI just offers such a, a really an unprecedented opportunity to have real impact that will last for generations, I think, if we if we seize this moment. Perfect. You're absolutely right. Well, Dr. Google, I really appreciate your time. I think we had a great conversation. So thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks so much, Nikki, for inviting me. HealthCast, along with GovCast and CyberCast, is a production of GovCIO Media and Research. For more podcasts and to check out the other shows, head to govciomedia.com. Watch out for new episodes released every Tuesday and Wednesday across our shows. You can follow all of them on your favorite podcast platform. And if you like what you heard, make sure to let us know by leaving a review. And if you have any topics you think we should look into, contact us at newsletter at govcio.com dot com.